Hello, today's year of my life takes us back to 1999, perhaps the most famous season in the history of English football. My guest today, former Manchester United and England man, Phil Neville. Phil, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Very well. How's family? You okay at the minute? We're all good. We're obviously in lockdown back in, uh, back in the UK, but, but we're spending a lot of quality time together, which, which we very rarely do. Uh, we, we're just praying that everyone else is safe around the world and we can get back out into some kind of normality. Absolutely. Well, let's see if we can put a smile on a few Manchester United yeah. places, at least for the next half hour. So 1999, so what you would be 21 coming into that season. You'd already played 100 games for the first team, but did you know what your best position was at that point? No, and I don't do now. I don't do now, to, you know, 20 odd years later. No, it was, I, I was, I was predominantly a fullback, but I played left back, right back in that 99 season. I played in midfield as well. And people, people used to say, oh, you're a jack of all trades. Uh, and that used to go against me. But ultimately in that season, I, I played nearly 40, 50 games in different positions because of my fle flexibility and versatility. It enabled me to get in the team in other positions and support and support players in other positions. So I saw it as a strength, but more importantly, so did my manager, Sir Alex Ferguson, and that's the only person that I listened to. You looked at that squad at the start of the season, competing with you for various positions. You had Gary at right back, Dennis Irwin at left back, mm. and then for those centre midfield positions, Roy Keane, Paul Scholes, Nicky Butt. Yeah. It was pretty tough to get a game there. Easy, yeah. No, and Wes Brown brought, uh, broke into the team that year as well. So we had two players for every single position. So uh, it was going to be difficult. But, but what, I, what I'd said to myself at the start of the season after speaking to Sir Alex was that I was going to trust the manager. He said he was going to rotate. He said he was going to give us all our games. And, and he stayed true to his very word right to the very end of the season. And it was the competition to, for places, actually, that I thought that helped us win the treble. At the start of the season, what, what was the mood like when you went into pre-season? Because it hadn't been a great summer, really, had it? Especially for the England players, for you and mm. Nicky, hadn't even gone yeah. to France, which was a surprise. And then David yeah. Beckham, sort of the, the pantomime villain after Argentina. Did you all feel like you had a point to prove? Well, and we'd lost the league the year before uh, to Arsenal, which, which, was a, which was a hammer blow for us. We, we, we'd, I'd not gone to the World Cup, neither had Nicky. David had come back from the World Cup. Uh, and the England players hadn't performed, but obviously he'd got sent off. So he was he was public enemy number one. Uh, the manager had made some some big signings. Yep, Stam, Dwight York came in, Jesper Blomquist. We didn't start the season very well. We got beat 3-1 in the Charity Shield by Arsenal, who'd won the league the, the, a year before. They were the team to beat. They had fantastic players. They had this, you know, this new way of playing, exciting, fast, attacking players. Uh, and we knew we had to start the season really well, which we didn't. It got to about, I think, October, and we were still being really inconsistent. Yeah, there was nothing really remarkable, certainly no signs of what was to come in the, the first half of the season. I, I was going through a few of the games and picked out, I think it was Wimbledon was a 5-1 at Old Trafford, yeah. Everton home was a 4-1, Liverpool was a big game at Old Trafford, 2-0. And one thing yeah. that all of those three had in common, you started them all. That's the reason why. No, I think I remember the I remember the Liverpool one because we were coming off the back of uh, a couple of poor results. There was a bit of pressure building, uh, and we played really well against uh, we played really well against uh, Liverpool. Scholesy scored a fantastic goal. Dennis scored a, a penalty, but we were inconsistent. We weren't gelling as a team. Yap Yap Stam had come in, fantastic player. Probably took him a little bit of time to settle in. Yorkie was the only one of the signings probably that was lighting up a little bit, scoring goals. But apart from that. 
I would say it wasn't until probably just after the Christmas period. I, I might be wrong. I think we went to Charlton one one nil last game. From then on, I think we all said to ourselves, we cannot afford to lose a game. And I don't think we did. Yeah, it was 30-33 from just before Christmas. There's a, a yeah. defeat. I, I just wondered, was, I think it was 19 of you that season played double figures in the Premier League alone. Was, yeah. was that in some ways almost a negative? I mean, how many of you would you say knew that if you were fit, you would start any given Saturday? None of us. None of us. Apart from probably the spine, Schmeichel, uh, Yap, uh, Kino. Uh, would play probably every game. Andy Cole was probably our main centre-forward. But apart from that, if you think Nicky and Scholes, he used to rotate a little bit. I know I know our wingers, Jesper and Ryan, used to swap sometimes. Ollie played on the right sometimes instead of Bex. Gary, Gary Dennis probably rotated as well. So uh, everybody knew that, that there was periods of, of the season, periods of months where you would play probably, very rarely play the three games in the week. You would play one, miss one, play two, miss one. Uh, but actually, if you look back now, that's quite normal. Sir Alex was the first person that started that rotation, started to look after players, making sure that he would be able to get the best players fit all the time. And we were so lucky that we had four centre-forwards in the squad that loved each other. Yorkie and Coley were, were phenomenal up front together. Best friends on and off the pitch. They, they were lively. Coley was quiet. Yorkie was, was, was loud and laughed and they worked off each other. And then Teddy and Ollie. Uh, struck up a partnership that was equally as good. And, and you know what? Sir Alex kept all four happy. So if we was drawing games, two would come on. And we had this feeling that was always goals in the games. And uh, it, proved, it proved it at the end of the season when Ollie and Teddy scored in the Champions League final. Is that credit to Sir Alex to keep the four happy? Or was it a lot to do with the personality of the players? I think it was quite well reported that season. Ollie had chance to go, I think... I think United accepted a yeah. bit from Tom and Ollie decided to stay. Is that, is that credit to him or is it to Sir Alex for keeping everyone happy? I, th- I think the character of the player. Uh, I, think, I think as players, we knew that this was, this was a brilliant club to play for. But Sir Alex was a man, manage, man manager, man, man management genius in terms of keeping everybody happy. And, and people ask me all the time about it because I was probably part of that rotation of not playing every single week. But he used to always make me feel as if I was the most important player in his squad. He used to always make me believe that I would get my chances, that I could trust him, and that I was probably one of the vital cogs. And 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 he had that he had that ability to make you feel like that. And everybody else had that same feeling. So so when we be, when we came to big games, we probably knew who was going to play. I could probably pick off the top of my head. You say Schmeichel, Gary. Johnson, Stam, Irwin would be the back four. I accepted that, but I knew the game after or the game after that, I would get me opportunities. And so, so we, we all felt a part of it. When did the, the word, when did the term, the treble, first get mentioned? Who was the first person to, to throw it out there? Oh, I think we started to probably think about it when we beat Arsenal in the replay in the FA Cup. Really, uh, that yeah, oh yeah, we, 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 would never, we would never speak about winning trophies until we got our hands on the trophy. But what would happen, of, we was on this real roller coaster of games after game after game. We beat Arsenal and that almost won us the league. Then we were in, then we were in the, the, the final, we, we, sorry, final of the FA Cup. We knew we were ahead in the league. So all of a sudden, 
We had, I think we had Inter Milan, Juventus in the Champions League. We got past you, uh, Inter Milan in the quarter-final. We had Juventus, our biggest rivals probably over the last, uh, that, that period, the previous three or four years. They were a brilliant team. We were so close on every front. Uh, but the semi-final, I thought against Arsenal when we beat them in the FA Cup replay. That, for me, was the point when, when it was like all guns ahead. We, we, we've got some, we could smell something special. We were The goal that Giggsy scored, the, the Schmeichel save in the semi-final, then, then the games that we used to come back late in. You could smell something special, something unbelievable was happening. You, you, you pinch yourself sometimes and think, wow, is this really happening? Another game won. We, we had a clock in the dressing room and the, and the players used to say after every game, the clock's ticking, there's another one gone, there's another one gone. And uh, that momentum took us right to the final hurdle. At that game, the Arsenal, the replay, you, you started it. I remember watching yeah. the game just as, as a neutral and it was one of the best FA Cup games I can ever remember. Beckham scored the goal to put you one up, then Bergkamp scored, uh, Roy got sent off. But from your point of view, what were you thinking as the clock ticks down and you go in for that challenge on Ray Parler. Do you, do you think he made too much of it? I needed VAR, I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, was, it, was, uh, it was actually 21 years, I think, last Tuesday since that game. It was the greatest game I've ever played in, 100%. Really? Yeah, I think you ask any player on that pitch, Arsenal or Man United, it, it was the, the best game ever. Uh, I was absolutely shattered. I was dead on my feet. I made a stupid tackle. And at that moment... Uh, I thought my Man United career was over. I did. I thought it was over. I thought, you don't come back from this. This is a big moment in your life, a big moment in your career. They score, they win, they go on and win the double. Uh, and then Peter saves it and, and the rest is history. And uh, I joke with Peter all the time that he, he can have anything in the world off me. He can come to my house, take my house, my car, anything. He's just <laughs> He saved my Manchester United career in that split second. So, obviously, everyone knows what happens then. You go to extra time. Ryan's on as a sub. Ryan gigs and scores maybe the best goal in the history of the FA Cup. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, everyone knows the pass from Vieira. And, and I was left back, he was left wing. And Ryan had just come on, I think, for Jesper Blomqvist. And uh, I, I set off. I set off like I would. I tried to overlap him. But because he was fresh... I was running, he was running, but he was getting away from me. And then he, he'd go past one person. Then he, was in, he went past Keon. Then he went past Dixon. And then you think, wow, what's happening? And then you see Scholes in the middle who literally had an open net if he crossed it. And he fired it above Seaman. And, and the only thing I remember was him charging towards me. And he, he would never, ever take his shirt off. Giggsy had the, probably the most sensibless, boring his celebrations ever. He just twiddled his arm around or something. He took his shirt off. He's coming towards me. And then the fans came and jumped on us. And, and all I could smell was, was the, the, the smell of the fans, geeks here and his hairy chest <laughs> in my face. And it was one of those moments when it was, like I say, that, that game was the greatest. And, and, and it was probably fitting that the greatest goal ever scored in FA Cup uh, was scored on that particular night. I hope he used a good deodorant. No. <laughs> so you're on this run. Uh, so I suppose the next game in that list then. So second leg against Juventus. First game, was, it, was, it wasn't the greatest of, of, no. of semi-finals. 1-1 at Old Trafford. Giggsy again gets the, the late equaliser. Yeah. At that point, were Juventus the team to beat in European football? Oh, they were the team to beat. I mean, you think about Deschamps. Uh, they're a midfielder, Deschamps, Zidane and Conte. Uh, the, the, obviously the manager was manager was Chelsea. They had Inzaghi, 
they had brilliant players, little little left winger called Delivio. They had Montero and Ferreira at the back, who were just typical animals, Italian defenders. Uh, they and they went two 0 up. They went two 0 up, but it was one of those and games. No one, I was. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and we and no no English team wins in Juventus. Uh, but they went 2-0 up and at never one point I thought we were going to lose. We were still creating chances. We were still playing really well. But the belief never went from us. And then, obviously, Keane, Keane scores the first one, I think. Uh, we yeah, were playing direct and uh, Yorkie scores the second. And then we came in at half-time. And there was only one winner. They'd gone. The crowd had gone. The crowd was silent. Turin, Stadio Delle Alpi it was. It, it was really hostile uh, normally, but it was silent. And then in the second half, obviously, Big Pete clears one, uh, smashes it as high as he possibly can. Bounces. Yorkie goes round uh, Pal- uh, Pagliuca, I forget the name, Peruzio, uh, mm. and sticks it in the net. And I remember just charging down the touchline. It was... It was a moment that I'll never forget in in probably the toughest probably the toughest place I've ever played in Turin uh, against one of the best teams I played in the Champions League. What was Roy like after that game? Because remember, just after he'd scored, he got the the yellow card, which meant he would miss yeah. the final. Was he slightly subdued, or was he happy for the club, the team? Well, Scolzi as well got booked yeah. in that game. So Scolzi and Keno came at the end of the game. Uh, you would never know. I I, I was obviously very close to schools he was, he was, we were best friends and straight away you you go up to them you commiserate with them because but ultimately that time we had such a, a good team spirit I think probably nearer the game uh, the final probably their, their disappointment probably started to hit them but when you're playing so many games and, and your emotion uh, you probably don't realise it at the time it wasn't probably till we got to Barcelona and we got to our hotel that you looked at them, you looked in their eyes and you saw the disappointments. And I'd say that was probably one of my saddest moments, probably. You know, Roy Keane captain, the, the best captain I've ever played under. And my best friend, Scholes, he didn't have the opportunity to play in that game. Scholes, he a couple of years later played in, in Moscow. So he obviously got his, his, his reward. But for Roy, I, I, I always think it was probably one of my saddest moments in football that he didn't have that opportunity to lift the cup. He was our captain. He was our lead. He was. He was probably someone that I learned so much from. And him, for him not to be on that pitch in Barcelona was was one that I felt really, really sad for him. Really, and uh, and and but well, that's football, I suppose. You got your place in the Champions League final, first time in over thirty years. Yeah. Then you got to get the league done. I think you drew four of the last eight. Yeah. Was there ever a feeling that you were starting to maybe just slightly run out of steam? There was, uh, I think, 2-2 two, yeah. two at Anfield. Paul Ince scored, of, of all people, Paul Ince scored. Yeah. Dennis got sent off that day, which actually later on yeah. becomes quite handy for you. Yeah. Uh, did you ever start to feel that maybe you're running out of steam? Yeah, the, 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 there, was, there was bound to be a point when the games would catch up with us. We were playing every three days. Uh, we were running off adrenaline. Uh, we drew at Anfield. I remember playing before the last game of the season. We went to Blackburn. We drew. We drew. I played in midfield. We drew. We equalised. We, we we weren't flowing. The rhythm had gone a little bit from our play a little bit, but we were still getting. We weren't losing games, and we knew we were still in the driving seat. And we knew that we got to the last game against Tottenham, needing a result. Uh, we had a great record against Tottenham. Tottenham had nothing to play for in the league. We knew that if we got to the last game. It wasn't going to be easy, but we, we always backed ourselves. And uh, typical of Manchester United, we went a goal down. I think Les Ferdinand chipped Peter Schmeichel. The, the stadium went silent. We missed a couple of chances. You, you do have that back of the mind. Is it going to be our day? 
Uh, and then Beck scores just before half time. And then literally at half time, the boss makes a substitution, brings off Teddy Sheringham, puts on Andy Cole. Uh, and the first touch he had was in was was looping it over Ian Walker into the back of the net, and from that moment onwards, it was a celebration. I would say that the ten days from winning the league against Tottenham, FA Cup, then the Champions League, were the best ten days of my professional life, without a shadow of a doubt. When did you find out then you would start the FA Cup final? I mentioned the Dennis Irwin sending mm. off against Liverpool because that obviously meant the left back spot was open. Did you know pretty much from from that point? that you had a good chance to start in the FA Cup final. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was obviously, I was injured for the Liverpool game. Dennis got booked, then he got sent off. Uh, I knew then that probably I would play in the FA Cup final, uh, which was great, but sad for Dennis. Uh, <clears throat> but I think at the time we had, it was unbelievable at the time because, because we had no, we had no Roy Keane, no Paul Scholes uh, for the Champions League final. So, uh, Nicky Butt for the, for the FA Cup final the boss couldn't take any risks with him. He didn't even get him stripped. He wasn't even on the bench. And he was devastated. And, and I remember going up to him saying, look, but it doesn't matter. You're playing in the Champions League final in three days' time. He went, I've waited or I've dreamt all my life of playing in an FA Cup final. This is every kid's dream. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bothered about the Champions League final. And, and that was the mentality, really. That shows how big the FA Cup... Obviously, Roy played in the... In the uh, in the final, so did Scholes. Teddy came on, scored, Scholes, he scored. The, the FA Cup final was a bit of an anti-climax because it was sandwiched in between two massive events and it was quite easy. Newcastle were quite timid at the time uh, and ultimately everybody wanted to get to Barcelona for the final. When Roy got injured, well, I think it was really early on, wasn't it? Was there, at that point, was there any thought of maybe this could go against you? No, not really. We, we brought Teddy on uh, Bex moved inside to central midfield where he would play in the, in the final. So uh, it, it, the, the game was, I think, was probably one of the most straightforward, simplest games I've played in, in terms of big occasions. Uh, it was quite straightforward. It, 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 I don't think we got out of second, third gear. We won the game quite comfortably, comfortably uh, and we had a fantastic day. And, and that was the double. You know, the double was massive. But ultimately, what we were now starting to dream of was the treble. So was Barcelona slightly bittersweet for you because the treble is, is enormous. No one had ever done it. No, still, no one's ever done it since. But to be on the sidelines, was there a part of you that almost resented having to watch on? Or did, I mean, obviously, you desperately wanted to play. Yeah, I mean, you wanted to play. You wanted to be a part of it. You wanted to get on the pitch. But we had that, we had that bigger spirit in the team that ultimately we all played our part. And... Uh, it was always going to be difficult for me to get on the pitch. I understood that. We were down in the game. We weren't playing particularly well. We had no rhythm because of the breakup with no keen goals. Giggsy was on the right. Bex was in the centre with, with Nicky. Jesper was on the left. We, we, we just, and we were playing against a brilliant team. Uh, and, and I never forget when they brought the trophy out next to us. They, they had the Bayern Munich uh, colours on them because obviously they were 1-0 up. They were dominating the game. But they, they had a chance, probably about 10 minutes to go. They hit the crossbar, Mehmet Shaw just chipped it over Peter Schmeichel. And you thought to yourself at that moment, they're not going to get another goal here. And something is just not quite right. You could smell something. Then then the boss made a substitution. I think we had four centre-forwards. Bex went out to the right wing, started to whip in a few crosses. And then all of a sudden, the United fans, there must have been 50,000 in the stadium, it, the momentum, the feeling changed and you could just feel it. You get goosebumps. You, you, you were sucking the ball into the back of the net. 
Uh, and, and the second goal, actually, I think epitomises what we were about that year. The second goal was won by a corner on the left wing, where my brother at right back was on the left wing, taking somebody on at left wing, where we just went absolutely gung-ho. It was complete and utter chaos. And, uh, and when Ollie scored that goal, uh, it was emotional. I think everyone cried. We, we, it, was just, it was just the best feeling ever. What did you do when the goal went in? Did you join that huge pile? Yeah, me, me, Andy Cole, I think, Jonathan Greenig, Wes Brown, David May, who always loved the celebration. We just went charging down the touchline. Uh, we jumped on top of everybody. Uh, I still have that little montage now because that, that, those last probably two, three minutes was the, the only thing I remember from the game. The celebrations, the, 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 when the final whistle went, I went straight on the pitch, went straight to my brother. We were emotional. And then, obviously, the celebrations afterwards were was just magical, magical moments. At 1-1, would you have taken extra time at that point? Or did you... No, 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 no. We were dead. We were, we were shattered. And, and all the way through that season, we scored late goals. So when we scored the first, even when, when, when the board went up, so I think two, three minutes left, we thought that that was a lifetime. We believed that that was a lifetime. We believed, we had this saying, we will get one more opportunity. So when the first goal went in, we all went back to the bench. There was no sort of like, let's consolidate now. It was, we will get one more chance. We will get one more opportunity and it has to fall to the right person. And it did. It fell, it fell to the super sub, the one that didn't need warming up. He just went on there, the silent assassin, uh, and, and you know shoved it in the back of the net. Teddy wins the, the flick at the near post. Uh, but but the, the the feeling inside the stadium changed. I've got to say, ten minutes to go. Charlotte's the bar. The, the the feeling inside the stadium from just it just being a carnival to being it felt like Old Trafford. It felt like those supporters were were sucking it into the back of the net. You said the right fell to the right person. Was Ollie the best natural finisher for all Dwight York and Andy Cole who were yeah. amazing this season? Was Ollie the best finisher? The best, the best. He didn't need he didn't need a touch. He didn't really have like a bend. He just smashed it through the keeper's legs. That was his. That was his technique, and he knew where to put the ball. He knew where to be where the ball would bounce. Uh, he he was he was absolute. He was a absolute serial serial goal scorer. Uh, and you knew when he went on the pitch, he always got an opportunity. You you we, we I think I remember playing a game. We was must have been I think six two down at Southampton. He got an opportunity just by going on. He, he had that knack of being in the right place at the right time that most brilliant centre-forwards have. What was the bus parade like? The bus parade was quite funny. I was speaking to Peter Schmeichel about this the other day, is that you, you finish the game, you don't go to bed, you just want to get home. Literally, you, we landed in Manchester. We just wanted to get home. We was, we would, we'd had 60, 70 games. And we were on this bus, uh, open-top bus, for three to four hours and, and we went through Altrincham, down through Sale, through the, the villages on the way into central Manchester. I've got to say there was there was there was thousands on the streets. And we come to the, the main street in Manchester, it's called Deansgate. And just before we get to Deansgate, we, we we were sort of like saying, right, at the end of Deansgate, we get off the bus, we go home to our families and we sleep for the next month. We turn round Deansgate and literally the, the, the best moment as a Manchester United player or supporter, to, we turned around Deansgate and there was three, four hundred thousand people down Deansgate on roofs, out of windows, on balconies, 
up 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 lamp posts, and it took us three hours going down Deansgate. And I did not want Deansgate to to stop. We it blew us away. It was emotional. The noise was incredible. I I will never forget the noise was deafening. And we went into the the the, the arena at the end of Deansgate, and we there was twenty thousand people in there, and it was just the best the best probably two three hours ever. Uh, from turning into Deansgate, knowing what Manchester United means to people in Manchester, knowing what the European Cup is, uh, it was just, it gives me goosebumps now talking about it. Last one then, Phil. So, at the time, 99, probably the most famous season in English football. Where does it stand against Arsenal's invincible season, City in the points record, Liverpool yeah. last year? Was that the greatest season ever? Well, I mean, a couple of seasons ago, uh, Man City were going for the quadruple and I never forget we got to January and they were going for the Carabao Cup I think at the time and I remember thinking wow they've got a chance here but and people was talking about City going to win the quadruple as if it was just a given as if it was just going to be easy as if it was just going to be handed to them on a plate and I remember thinking they do not know what they have to do they do not know the obstacles the challenges the effort the luck we had so much luck uh, that goes into winning a league title, never, never mind three trophies, and and ultimately, it's never, never been done. And there's some, there's been some brilliant teams: the Invincibles, the Chelsea team, the Liverpool team last year, the City team. Brilliant teams, equally as good as ours, but nobody's done, nobody's done the treble. And I think, I think what that, what that tells me is, is that that's probably the best team, the greatest team in terms of achievements that probably has ever lived. And uh, and that, I don't say that because I'm. I was part of it. I say that because winning the treble was quite unique. And I, I would say it's going to be very difficult in the modern era for people or teams to do that again. And, and you know what? Teams, teams are good enough. It's just that you need the look that we had in 99. <clears throat> it was amazing, you Phil. Thanks so much for reliving it for us. Thanks, Andy.